0: Welcome to Team Up Moves. I'm Fiona.
1: And I'm Stephanie. And this is the podcast where we play superhero games and then we talk about them.
0: Another talking episode. This is our back matter for Marvelous, which is a belonging outside of belonging game by S. Donnelly and Hannah Rogers. And Steph, we got our pals back here with us. We do. Do you want to introduce Emily? Emily. I would love to. So you heard her play Trixie O'Neill, the Tempest, the witch. She's also a podcaster on Whelmed, the Young Justice Files, as well as some other places. Emily Buzza, thanks for coming back to Team Up Moves.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: And we are also really delighted to welcome back to the show Jay Editin, whose distinctions include writing the forthcoming Marvel Voices X-Men Mystique and Destiny Historical Story, and co-hosting the amazing and world-famous podcast Jay and Miles Explained the X-Men. And you heard Jay play Alex North, the villain.
3: Thank you so much for having me back.
1: It's an honor.
0: Well, we're going to get rolling with... Origin story. This is the part where we discuss the character creation process for the game we just played. So, Emily, I want to start with you. Can you talk about what sort of mechanically and and in your brain you did to create Trixie?
2: Well, with Marvelous, you have the different playbooks that you pick that each have kind of a different emotional core to them. I'd say they're kind of just they're very vibe based. Uh, The playbooks here, (laughs) like a lot of teen superhero. Genre games have the kind of, like, you're the superhero who can't control their powers, which was The Tempest, which was what I picked, or you're the non-powered person, or you're the person who's the sidekick, or whatever it may be. And so The Tempest just seemed like the most fun of those to me. It was what stood out. And from there, you picked a couple of powers, you pick a look, you pick a way to describe your gender identity that is fun and metaphorical and very interesting. And so with that, kind of looking at The Tempest, I had the options of, like, very elemental powers or magic, and I was like, I just want to make a little witch. So I went with that <laughs> and then kind of narrowed it down in each category of being like, what gets me to four goth girl cartoon characters in a trench coat, uh, <laughs> which is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um And so for that, I picked uh, Witchcraft and Ghost, I think, were the two literal powers that I picked. I
0: love Ghost as a power.
2: Yeah, Ghosts was one of the powers, and that was when it kind of clicked in my brain. I was like, I think I want to do magic. And then going through the list, I was like, oh, Ghosts listed as a power. Just that, I'm like, oh, yes, I have an idea now. And she just kind of went from there. And once I had that and we started talking about the game, I was like, I want her to have a magic shop. I want her to have a ghost cat discussing, like, what all of us were thinking for characters kind of led to various little weird aspects of her that came out in the game that was very fun. But yeah, I just kind of started with, like, what playbook sounds fun? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then going from there and just being like, what comic book vibe can I craft from this? Because, like, character who is magic and witchy pops up in a lot of different team comics. It's it's a lot of them, especially the teen ones, because every generation... (laughs) Loves a goth witch aesthetic.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, it's a perennial.
2: Runaways, X Men Evolution, a little bit on Young Justice. Every single one is like, here is our here is our witch girl, and I'm like, she's a very fun girl. I like her, and so I got to play her as Trixie. Well, that's kind of just where that came from.
0: Yeah, excellent. Yeah, and I think it's 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 worth noting a little bit that like in a blind outside blind game, there's no stats. Right. There's no mechanical kind of difference among the characters, at least numerically. And so, yeah, a lot of your choices are just... The playbooks have those those vibes. They have those pick lists. And as, you know, happened with Rick's, I think, you know, Ghost being there, like, it really guided you in a cool place. If you had been like, actually, I want my power to be, I don't know, cement, like, we could have made that work, too. Yeah. You know?
1: Infrastructure.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. No, don't get stuff started on infrastructure. <laughs>
1: it's way too late for that. It's months too late for that.
0: Jay, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about Alex, because... One of the things with with Marvelous is that there's not there's not a conceit that we're all on on a team together. So you picked the villain or a villain or maybe a villain. Mm -hmm. What was what drew you to this? I liked
3: the idea of appending the types of villain characters who tend to exist and who tend to exist, especially in 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 games, because you you have there are kind of two types of of ineffectual, bordering on sympathetic villains. You see, there are the ones who are sort of in the the model of the monarch who are very very into the performance of being a villain and there are ones who you know aren't aware that they're villains and are are and are ineffective as villains because they come off as heroes and 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 those characters tend to be fairly smooth and fairly good at winning people to their side i wanted to make a character who believed in what they were doing didn't particularly see themselves as a villain or as performing villainy but also just wasn't like didn't have those villain villain trappings who 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 was a villain because what they did was frequently at odds with social order and and with human behavioral standards but wasn't particularly smooth about it and like didn't really have their villain shit together mm-hmm. didn't was wasn't self-aware enough to go okay this is what I do this is what I am I need a better cape yeah and alex kind of grew from that
1: i just want to see more of alex and more of 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 trixie They're both characters who, I just, we need more of them and more super stories.
2: That's very sweet. I thought it was also really funny when we were discussing all of our characters, the kind of thing where because these were teen heroes, I think all of us kept kind of, because I think Jay mentioned it with Alex too, of the idea of like what this character could become someday was like a thing that we were keeping in mind for some of these characters a little bit, Mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting that it came out of this game because I've played other. Superhero games, where like I'm not really thinking about this, but like with this one especially because it was the Tempest who was like, "Your powers are not under control." I was like, Mm -hmm. "What does she look like someday when her powers are under control?" And I'm like, "This character grows up to be like a cool Zatanna archetype who like helps ghosts in like a ghost detective agency with her cat and her magic friends." And I'm like, "That's cool." And right now she is just stressed as all heck because. Nothing yes. makes
1: sense. <laughs> you know, we've got a detective agency that's going to recruit you in, right there in New Arcadia if you want to stay. Ooh. You know, we get to do something on, on this time that we haven't done before because Fiona always jams with a jamless game. And so, Fiona, you played a character. Oh, yeah. You created a character. Can you please say a few words about your own process of character creation?
0: Oh, breath in. Yeah. I mean, I... I wanted to do the, uh, I guess he was the anchor, is the playbook, mm-hmm. the non-superpowered person. Um, again, this was something that we don't see very much in these types of games. Mm-hmm. You know, if everyone's statting up their characters with 10s and 12s, there's the person who's just like, yep, 5s across the line. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I wanted, wanted to see. And so it was a question of like, how do I get kind of a a regular guy? I didn't want to be like you know, the kid in the chair sort of thing, but who could be a little bit involved with teen superheroes. And so looking down the skills, one of the skills is has a car and, you know, we have adequate public transportation, New Arcadia, but you figure, you know, especially if patrols go late (laughs) in the night, you might Someone might need to call mm-hmm. you know, Breon to come pick them up, and then the sewing the sewing piece was, uh, you know, that kind of came together. I wasn't actually originally thinking so much about, oh, he could be making costumes. I was mostly thinking like, oh, he you know puts pockets on his stuff and he's got this this kind of look." but but yeah, and then it was like, oh yeah, and, and so that then paints the picture of someone who is trustworthy. In other words, folks are letting him know about their superhero identities. And is, you know, around and helpful, but is not, like, getting damseled necessarily or, or really, um, you know, sacrificing himself for the thing. He's just, like, peripheral. That was fun. Yeah. i play a character more often. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His gender, by the way, uh, I picked Lighthouse. The other options were damsel, lodestar, colored pencils, therapist. Comic Relief, Mom, Friend, Nerd, and Jock.
1: Wait, at um, least three of those are my gender.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, minimum, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: Four, four, four. And I think you know which four.
0: Yeah. Stephanie. Yeah? I have erased the part where I wrote down your character's name, so I can't prompt you for her by name.
1: Amphitrite. Real name, which no one uses, is Talia Muse, which is a dumb literature joke. Yeah, I play the idol. We will talk more a little bit about this game's relationship to a slightly older game called Masks, which we have played on the show. But The Idol is one of the, I think, five out of seven templates that have a direct relationship to a Masks template. So I sort of knew what I was getting into. I like attention. I like music and attention and dealing with the publicity machine and being well-intentioned, but also just kind of being too much and also animals on the sea and mermaids. And so I kind of went with what I, what I knew, and Amphitrite fell into the space I enjoyed being in of, please pay attention to me, I really want to help you, I want everyone to love me, and I want to be a good person, and oh no, unintended consequences, I have been doing this for very long, help, also what even is independence, pretty fast. Her gender, uh, of course, was clickbait. She also had the choice for gender of magical girl, theater kid, influencer, theorized a mortifying ordeal, a hobby, winning, and bauble. And in fact, her gender, I think, is all of those things. She also got to choose a whole bunch of powers, and here I had a little bit of trouble not duplicating an existing hero and not creating by accident basically Teenage Dazzler or Gem from Gemma and the Holograms, which we'll return to. Mm -hmm. So I went with Water Powers, and it's listed as Rainwater, but, you know, Rainwater ends up in the ocean, so Water Powers.
0: Mm. All water is rain.
1: Well, except for water created by electrolysis.
0: So you mentioned the masks link, and, you know, this game wears that on its sleeve. Like, it literally says, this is inspired by Dream Askew and Masks. And so, yeah, The Tempest is is the Nova. Uh, the idol is the star. Mm-hmm. The other ones that we didn't do are The Air, which is very much The Legacy. Mm-hmm. I feel fairly comfortable using masks relations with uh, our listeners. I feel like you probably know this. The Rookie is, I don't know if that's quite the beacon. You know, the beacon is sort of the unpowered kind of thing. The Rookie is just like, oh, you're sort of new to it.
1: The, the, vil- the villain is the Reformed, by the way.
0: So I don't think the villain is the Reformed because the villain does not need to yeah. be Reformed. Oh, oh dear. So. Given the the seven or so that they have... Oh, hang on, hang on. The villain is the delinquent. I mean, maybe.
2: As someone who's played both a delinquent and a reformed playbook, there's some difference. There, like, I, I think the villain is one of those ones that very much falls outside of masks, because like, okay. the delinquent is like, you're a hero, but also you don't respect authority. You do a hero thing on your own. And reformed is a lot of, you used to be bad, but you're not anymore. And the villain is just like you're just doing your thing. You're a little bit of both of those, but also not either of them for the villain playbook in this.
1: I stand corrected. And also the delinquent is the one masks playbook that I could probably emotionally never play. (laughs) So all of the rest of them, I want to try someday.
3: As, as the one of us who's never played masks, this is really fascinating. <laughs> I, I realize that might have sounded sarcastic, and it's not. Like it's it's really really interesting hearing, hearing sort of the parallels and the places where those fall away. Mm-hmm.
0: I can just watch Steph like has her like scheming face on how to get in well, Masks yeah. game. I mean, <laughs> uh, of course
1: I would uh, like. I, 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 there are a few things that I would like better than that, but um, we should probably get back to marvelous, the game we played for the show right now.
0: Yeah. So. How is this range of character options? Did you feel like you could you could find one that get, you could get attached to? Were there sort of obvious archetypes that seem missing from this?
1: I mean, it's easy to imagine ex- an expansion pack for Marvelous that has yeah. 10 more templates, but I feel like there were enough. At least there were enough for me.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's there are archetypes missing. I think I think your your idea of of an expansion Makes a lot of sense because the places I could see it it filling in are, are in terms of granularity. Yeah, mm. there's there's enough.
2: I also think part of it, like, one of the conceits with this that I thought was was interesting and why I think there are comparatively fewer playbooks than, like, some other similar things is, like, Masks has the conceit that everyone is on the same team, so you need that kind of specificity so there is no like, stepping on anybody else's niche when playing that, because you are all working together. Mm. But since this one has the thing of, like, you can all just not know each other, or you cannot be friends as part of it, there's less of that worry. Like, some of the playbooks, I think the villain playbook, one of your options for powers was somebody else's powers, but less, like, was one of, I don't remember Mm -hmm. the exact wording for it, which (laughs) is something that, like, Masks doesn't do because Masks wants to make sure that everybody feels like they're a special, little, unique member of the puzzle. Whereas this is like, no, play with that, play with that idea that there are fewer options, which Mm. is cool. I do think it's a thing of like looking at it, I was like, oh, there's only like, there's only like six or something like that, isn't it? It's like six or eight. I can't remember off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, actually six. Yeah, six playbooks.
2: So I remember when I opened it, I was like, oh, there's only six options. It seemed few, but once I started reading them, I was like, Oh, Tempest is fun. Tempest is what I want to do, Uh, and so it's Mm -hmm. easy to find something because they're each unique. But it it does—it almost—it feels when you look at it initially, you're like, "This can't be enough." And then, like, we each came up with a completely different character who was filling a different role, and it's like, "Oh yeah, this works. This works just fine for what this game is doing."
1: Yeah.
0: So before we leave origin story, there there is tend to talk a little bit about certainly there's no GM prep facilitator prep. I did actually make a uh, character keeper for this game. Yeah, so I played Bull of Bat by Ethan Harvey over the winter, and he provided a character keeper for for that Blowing Outside Blowing game. And it's so great to just be able to see everyone else's, like, deals. And then also, we'll talk about setting elements later, but that's a thing that you have to kind of be able to trade around. So I put that together. And other than that, right, there's no... Even starting a story, I, I may just have Spider-Verse on the brain, but like this game is, it's, it's a leap of faith kind of thing of like, yeah, we're going to sit down, we're going to try on the mics <laughs> and something will happen. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yep. Uh, and it did. And we'll get to that. But who I couldn't imagine doing this. Like this is a real like year two game. I think for me, uh, year one of Team Up Moves, Fiona would not have the confidence to to try to pull this off. Let's move on to the letters page. And this is sort of our, our bulk discussion. And we start this off asking, what is this game trying to do? And Steph, can you, uh, can you put that into words for us, please?
1: Yeah, this is a game that wants to generate the kind of teen superhero interaction specifically with with teens who are, you know are more changeable and more likely to make a series of bad decisions and and find a way to recover the kind of comic that supposedly Chris Claremont once uh, was accused of trying to create Which is you get a bunch of superheroes and they just like sit around talking and having feelings for 24 hours and then some stuff happens. It is all of the things that happen in a teen superhero comic when there are not orchestrated villain fights, company mandated crossover events, large dramatic set pieces, places where power fantasies and combat fantasies get acted out. You can have fights in this game, but it is a game that is designed to simulate the other parts of being a teen superhero and it is a game that i mean another way to put this is it applies the belonging outside belonging idea of what a ttrpg of its kind can do to the settings and the kinds of characters you see in a masks game and it feels very different because there's no gm there's no pre-made arc there's not a team to be on it is also designed to give every player the feeling of at times being a spectator or an assistant or a fly on the wall in this world with other players interacting because the responsibility of, of building the world can be shared not necessarily equally among all the players, and you can be the center of a scene and then you can just watch and it's it's designed to produce all of those soap operatic or emotionally charged teen superhero experiences without the kind of arc that holds together most big two comics and most other superhero stories.
0: I think we'll definitely want to get into that kind of flow of play piece. And you mentioned the spectating, but, but even just taking that soap opera, the bits of superhero books that aren't the superhero business, telling those stories, Jay, is Marvelous successful at that?
3: So ironically for me, I think it is successful. And my measure of success is basically, as you're describing it, if I read this in a big two comic, would, would I be pleasantly surprised? I like that. Mm. And, and would I be pre- pleasantly su- surprised for the reasons you described? And the answer is absolutely yes. Like it feels fundamentally superheroe, but it breaks from pretty much every narrative trope and every structural trope that generally goes with, with that that genre. And it does it pretty deftly, I think. Can you expand on that, talking about the structural tropes and that kind
0: of thing? So
3: superhero stories tend to be very, very structured. And they're they're structured for a number of reasons. And some of it is because, yeah, heroic fiction and, and and myth structure. But some of it is is fundamental to their medium. Some of it is because they come from a serial medium where stories have a certain pacing worked in, now even more so when they're written in arcs to trade than than when they were just treated as ongoing. But even, even if you look at older comics, like there is, there's, there's a shape to those stories and there are, there are very set rules within those stories. And one of the things that Marvelous does is I think to an extent completely remove any premise of a shape, mm-hmm. any premise of a, of a pre-existing structure, pre-existing narrative structure, pre-existing character relationships, pre-existing anything. So you've, you've got this extremely beyond open world, you've, you've got an open story. And the other thing that it does is move away from from presets, assumed relationships, which again, you see a lot of in especially big two superhero comics, because it's a genre that's built on archetypes. And it's a genre that's built on very specific archetypal relationships and relationships that come out of and are derived from some fairly limited common roots. Mm-hmm. So this gives you the chance to have characters in that vein really playing outside of the structures that that narratively define them for for most readers and I think for most players coming in.
1: And we could see that with, with the way that Alex North in particular behave, like those are choices that would be really hard to fit into a big two comic.
2: Building off the idea of how there is an inherent lack of structure to this game, like after we were finished playing today, I was thinking about like, I can see a version of this game of playing this game with people in which you do, where you approach it, like, we are doing completely unconnected scenes from like a bigger story of like coming at it with your characters and being like, oh, these characters are all on in this ongoing comic or something. And just doing like, here's a highlight reel of best scenes from that ongoing comic. Because like when we played it, we kept connecting things and kind of told an ongoing story. Mm -hmm. But I think the way it's written, you could do that. Or you could do something of just, like, jumping around in time, different points in this timeline of these characters, completely unconnected threats or problems that they're facing. And it would still work in exactly the same way somehow. Um, and I, I want to really come back
3: to that when we get to media recommendations. <laughs> yeah,
1: you could use this game as an ancillary way to expand certain kinds of character moments in a long campaign of another superhero game if it was a I mean you could have a year long masks campaign and then you know take a a week every so often with no giant fight scenes and play this instead and then
0: go back to playing masks. One thing I noticed with Marvelous is I mean I'm a forever GM in many ways and also sort of the rules lawyer of the groups and so my brain is always in the oh, this is what they want to do. How does that map mechanically to the system we're doing? You know, is this one of the basic moves? Is this, you know, an overcome? Is it whatever? And I found it interesting with Marvelous that that stuff kind of was fading. I mean, there is a general, like you have strong moves that take a token and that tends to be like, I'm successful Uh in making things better. Uh You have your weak moves that take a token, which are, I'm stirring some drama. You have that middle ground of just like, hey, do this stuff. But one of the ways I think that Marvelous can tell so many different things is that it is completely unburdened by needing the mechanics for it. We didn't have to be like, all right, how do we detach a possum soul from the body that it's clinging to, right? How do we you know, do th- this or that kind of thing? We could sort of jot it down into like, is this a strong move or a weak move? Or honestly, as things were going, I think we were just improvising and talking and that was totally fine you know the mechanics of the game felt like they eventually disappeared and i think in a good way
1: I agree I agree
0: there's there's an aspect to this game
3: you're talking about disappearing mechanics that feels very much like the way kids play make believe mm. and that has that internal logic of you you keep it you can't you can't do too much stuff that's super cool because you just did that other thing yeah right but but like also it's 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 got sort of that freedom of association i mean that that i can play a character whose gender is moth and so forth, where, where you, you just choose sort of bits and pieces of things and, and make a story and make a play and make a game out of, that reminds me very, very much of like that kind of childhood play. I didn't
1: make that connection and you're completely correct. I love that.
0: Now getting a little into, a little sort of mechanically in this idea of spectators and, and this other thing is there are six setting elements that are kind of omnipresent and they are authority Media, Fellow Teens, Fellow Teens, The Extraordinary, The City Itself, and The Weight of History. And so in the background, we all kind of started with one of those that we were keeping an eye on. And there are ways that you're supposed to sort of pick them up or trade them away. And it's, it's kind of a way to divide that GM responsibility across the table. And we use this a little bit? How did how did this feel for you? Did, you? did you like kind of having that? OK, I'm also fellow teens. Is this a fellow teen thing I should jump in here on?
2: I liked it in concept, but was personally like it was it was a hard thing to figure out when to do and how to do. And I think that was more on me of being unfamiliar with this system. And this being the first time I was playing a game using this system and just being like, oh, I don't. I don't I of like I don't want to step in on a moment but I also don't know if I'm holding if I'm pulling back too far and that kind of thing of just finding that space and I know that we talked about this a bit before we played that there were a couple of those that I said I don't think I'm the right person to handle this because I don't know enough about the setting because we were playing in an established setting that the ones that were like the, si- the city itself and the weight of history were the two ones that I'm like, those are the only two I don't want to get handed mm-hmm. because like this game comes with like build your city together, but we were playing in an established city instead, and I was like i don't I don't want to mess up the lore, I don't know the lore well enough, <laughs> don't hand that one to me <laughs> oh, oh no kind of thing. but again, that is less on the system and more on me for feeling like I don't know the system enough. Yeah, but I do think it is an interesting concept that I have seen. In various games to various degrees of the idea of just making sure everyone has something to do.
3: Mm-hmm. So my, my favorite role, the role that is the most fun for me, the role that I would actively seek out as a weekly thing where I wouldn't necessarily others in gaming is basically flavor GM mm. is having someone else running the game, but doing the world building being the background. <laughs> I have done, I, I am, I am the person who has created stacks of encoded aged documents for someone else's game, etc. <laughs> I love doing that stuff. And so that felt like a really natural and really, really fun part of this for me. And a chance to
0: relate to and interact with the world and other players in a, a very different way. I think one of our most successful moments was when we realized that we're going to have you know Bernard Lemare <laughs> being this bigger part, yeah. and Jay, you just like taking him on and like really Amazing. making that just a a fun character. I
1: I love Bernard so much now. We, he's we, we, he's got to come back,
0: and he, he's married to a sea witch,
3: so there are you know all sorts. You've got all sorts of potential on wrap for him. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh no doubt. Yeah.
2: And you were just so <laughs> quick with that character. I was just trying to keep I was trying to hear every question you asked me like oh my god uh cuz it was great
1: something that I'm seeing as a division between the game the rules as written and what the game you know gave us in play is that if you've got a more traditionally structured GM with a bunch of players who play PCs than a GM the GM is not just building the world the GM is playing all the NPCs, right? I I know someone whose Discord handle is all the NPCs. And as our play moved on, we went from operating elements of the setting to each of us when our PC was not in that scene, operating or trying to operate what elsewhere would be NPCs. Characters who we had made up on the fly and hadn't built and had other desires and other voices and wanted other things, especially for Tom Hardy. But that maybe comes more naturally or has more rewards in this very heavily improv-dependent system than deciding what authorities in general or, you know, 30 fellow teens at a party or on a sports team would want. It's more fun to have one NPC who says, you know, I would like to shut the prom down.
0: Now, did this feel like a good mix of the setting things that we would want to see in a teen game? You know, we've got your fellow teens. Media was huge. It was great, like, with the idol. uh, I mean, just like all of the the conspiracy theories about Mm -hmm. uh, Amphitrite. The weight of history is, like, sort of adult heroes. Not quite. I don't know. Maybe that was a little fuzzy. But was there anything that felt really missing or... Are these the six things you have? I mean, I think I think the weight of history would have felt missing if we had had an heir in the group, but we
3: didn't. Yeah, like that—that okay. that feels like the one of the set, the one of the selling elements that's tied really closely to one of the the playbooks.
2: Yeah,
1: Amfetridis an idol, so we needed the media. If there had been no idol we could have lived without the media
0: kids and their tiktoks (laughs) these days it's
2: uh... like the one thing that comes to mind that i think is just something that maybe the game is suggesting is outside of the scope of stuff is having a setting element for like i guess it would fall under authority but kind of like adults as mentor and adults as caregiver not just adults as like Person trying to stop you and tell you what to do, if that makes sense. Like, Mm, I feel like there is a nuance there that is important to this genre generally that is left out of that. But I can see it being like this game being like, no, this is about you just being teenagers together. And we're not just not going to talk about the adults unless they're trying to get in the way, is kind of the implication, which I can totally understand. But like, that is the one thing that comes to mind when I think of like teen superhero as genre. Not you have to, but there is often that idea of like here are, are the couple of adults who are not the worst <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and and the game allows you to introduce it, but there's not even the ghost of a mechanic for doing that,
0: yeah, I think the the final sort of mechanical piece of this I kind of want to get to is the questions, and this is sort of the the way that these games in theory, kick off is just the idea of like, hey, start asking each other some of the questions on your playbook. If the answers feels like a scene, have the scene and then see what happens from there. What were some of the examples? Anyone have like a question? They're like, oh, this was this was juicy. This was a really good one.
2: I know one of mine that was the one that we got to on mine was the when was the last time I scared you, which I feel is is just vague enough to create just a million different kinds of fun interesting drama there but is also so specific to this kind of character that I was like oh that's great and it doesn't force a specific relationship if that makes sense like a couple of the other ones were for mine the other two were how have you helped me handle my powers recently and what did I break that was important to you which are also fun and interesting for drama but felt like they would almost insist on a certain relationship with characters that we were very early on and things I was like, I don't want to insist that anybody like knows me and can help me or insist that anybody is close enough to me that I could mess up something they care about. And I was like, this one is good and vague.
3: Yeah, my question, one of my questions that I didn't use for exactly that reason was why did we we break up, which just felt (laughs) like a really inappropriate thing to impose on someone else's character without prior discussion and consent.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I did not choose why are you angry with me right now for similar reasons. <laughs> similar reasons, but the other two opening questions for the idol are wonderful. What did you think of me before you met me? Which was the one I asked. And how do you feel my fame has changed me? Infratredi didn't even really have a sense of self before she became famous. Like, who am I when the spotlight is off is a question that she's just starting to ask.
0: Well, we end the letters page with another Traditional question, and that is, when did this game make you feel like a superhero? Emily, can you start with this one?
2: That's a good question. I think it's interesting because the stuff that I think about as like the moment that makes you feel like a superhero in a game largely was not the focus of the way that we played this game. Like almost, other than our opening scene, mm-hmm. basically every scene that we did was like two people sit and talk about things for a while. Yeah, uh, which <laughs> right. is fun and awesome. I think for me, one of the one of the images that I got to come up with for the character that I was like, oh yeah, this is what this character is, was in that first scene of being like, she is floating and glowing and awesome and then is just going to fall on the ground and have nobody know what the heck happened. And I was like, yeah, that is this whole character. And that that was kind of built into the moves of like, do a thing and fail, Uh, was very much there for that. But also just near the end of getting to spend tokens and be like you are doing the thing you are meant to do as this character was how I kept Mm -hmm. feeling about... Every time that I spent a token later in the game was basically to be like, you are competently being a witch. And those very much played into, like, that idea I suggested of, like, the shades of who this character would be as an adult were coming through in those moments. yeah And those were when I was like, oh, this this is cool, interesting, magical superhero of moments where she got to, like, Show I am not just a stressed out teenager dealing with ghosts. I am a witch who knows how to help ghosts, and that kind of thing mm. it was very much kind of that vibe. Those kind of two things.
0: Jay, how about you? Asterisk, feel like a supervillain. Uh, you know, just, just take the question as you like. Oh, uh,
3: wrecking, wrecking the construction equipment, definitely.
0: Yeah, it felt like something on a scale
3: and with a degree of. Not exactly foresight, but a, a degree of cohesion that, that my character hadn't done before.
1: yeah, that was a, you could tell it was a step for Alex.
3: yeah. I want to
1: know when Brethren felt like <laughs> I don't know what when Bretvin felt like Brethren?
0: I mean, yeah, I don't know if this really uh, but I mean, I think that probably the, the having the feathers and confronting. Yeah. Alex about them felt like, you know, a moment from a comic book of, you know, Breton is here to be a conscience, maybe, or at least some sort of emotional uh, antagonist in, in here. And so being able to, like, drop those feathers down. And then, of course, I 100% as Fiona enjoyed the complete misunderstanding <laughs> of the feather significance between the two of them, uh, and that was delightful to play out. But Amphitrite, when did you feel like a superhero?
1: So Amphitrite basically did two super things and maybe had the most traditionally superhero y set of scenes in here. One yeah. of them was a big stage fight on literally a stage using her water powers failing mostly. <laughs> Certainly it was a it wasn't a power fantasy, it was a public failure, <laughs> but it felt very first act superhero and mechanically, the one aspect of this game that does have a mechanic is you can do things that, that feel like failures or you know, embarrass you in public and get tokens and then spend the tokens later to actually do the thing the character wants to do. And Amphitrite failed so much so early that she didn't even get to spend, I didn't even get to spend all those tokens on her behalf, but I did get to spend a couple. And she did feel pretty good about being some combination of a service to her friends and a service to the community and a star Mm. in a way that used her powers when she got that mandolin (laughs) and co-wrote that song with bernard and uh, you know i hope did something nice for unil magic shop i hope they appreciate the business i hope that's something that you know i mean trixie's gonna be boxing up some of those orders and, you know, running to the post office for those orders for quite a while. But family business, what can you do? Uh, that did feel, I guess, heroic. It it it, it felt right. It felt like where Amphitride needed to go. And like the kind of thing that I want to see in teen superhero books more often where the teen gets to do something good and useful for her friends rather than having... All the mundane stuff fail and all of the superhero punching succeed.
0: I'm just going to say, as the child of a folk musician, uh, I, I'm hoping for some uh, back issues to back up that superheroics with mandolin. Oh, no. So you have about eight minutes to think through, find some stories prominently featuring mandolins. <laughs> <laughs> um, and while you're doing that, we're going to move to ongoings, retcons, and spinoffs. This is a little bit of a lightning round. And the first question for ongoing is, what is a part of this game that we didn't really get to that you would like to see more of if you were to play it in the future? Emily, can we
2: start with you? Well, when looking back at my playbook to (laughs) talk about making this character, I realized all of the characters have a lure that is supposed to be the like, when someone else does this to you, they get a token. And I realized I'm like, oh. I fully forgot that was a mechanic, and we never used it. Um, Same. So that one was the one where the second I saw it, I was like, oh. Right. That would be another way that this works. Um, And we just, (laughs) I think just because it was the thing of all of us were on some level unfamiliar with how this worked. And so just forgot an extra mechanic. We were trying to remember the one mechanic that we all could and forgot about this other one. So that's what comes to mind immediately. I also, if we're doing this, I just wanted to share because I realized I was the only one who didn't say what the, uh, gender of my character was. Uh, oh, yeah. Trixie's gender was Forge. Ooh. All of the ones for The Tempest are kind of elemental and I picked Forge and I liked that. I wanted to throw that out in case anyone was curious when I realized I was the only one who didn't say it. <laughs> That's
0: excellent. My, my ongoing is also the lure and in part of making The Character Keeper, I'm like, all right, I'm going to put this up prominently. I'm going to even make it above the like scroll cut off. And then I completely forgot to like mention it at the beginning of play and completely didn't use it myself. So I'm right there with you. So this is the thing, I just, listeners, for example, and Lure was when someone comes to you for interpersonal advice, they gain a token. And so this is just another way that the game helps if you're trying to, you know, in other words, in, well, in theory, like people want tokens, right? It's like, uh here, do these things. You like tokens, right? I you like want tokens. them, and so it's a way to kind of kickstart um, scenes together and, and and talking together by handing out these tokens as a reward. Does anyone else have another ongoing that feels like a like a, a big <laughs> common one? But I just want to give a chance for someone else. Jay, I was also going to say the lore, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was
3: that was one for me there were, there were aspects of my character that I forgot existed and forgot to use. Um, I really liked my premise for a familiar and I completely like it, it, it tied into Alex's look, but absolutely nothing else. And it was, it was like having this really cool tool that I had just completely forgotten existed. I've I've been listening to uh, other podcasts
1: in which marvelous gets played and there seems to be a, kind of consensus that this is a game designed for ongoings. We had fun playing this as a one-shot and this is, that's the way that Team Up Moves works, but this is a game where you really get the full potential of the system and of the formats uh, and of the playbooks if you just take session after session after session so that you can build up tokens you don't have to use right away so that you can learn and remember what the lures are so that we can get a lot more ghost cat action. It is a game that is designed for slow burns and long commitments.
0: Our next prompt is Retcon. And so this is now that you've played this game, if you were to play it again, how might you approach it differently, either just in your own life and attitude or or perhaps a a hack or um, some other tweak to the game? Steph, do you want to start us off on this? Yeah, I I think
1: I would have asked other players more questions. Mm-hmm. I would have actively solicited relationship elements, not only to the other PCs, which we got some of with Trixie, which I loved, but... To the setting elements and actively encourage the creation of other NPCs, so that we had more to play off early on as Amphitrite moved through the arc that I had kind of anticipated for her, and that would also have enabled uh, Alex and Trixie and, and Brethren and you know Bernard, I suppose, and the, the ghost cat to and and um, Trixie's mom to to derail Amphitrite's arcs. Um, I would have just. Asked for more world building from other players and
0: for more NPCs early on. Jay, do you have a retcon?
3: In a similar vein to what Stephanie described, I would have made a character who was less fundamentally alienated. Um, I think the bread and butter of this game is is human relationships and interactions, and I made a character who aggressively avoids those, mm. um, which I don't think was a great move for play. How about you,
0: Emily?
2: I think for me, one of the things that the system does is tell you to not only accept failure, but to chase after failure. And I think sometimes I, as a player, am so used to being like, I want to do the thing good, and if I don't do the thing good, the dice will tell me. Mm. And then I will react to that and make it interesting from there. But trying to approach a situation and go, well, here's how I'm going to fail, but it's going to be fun. Is sometimes difficult for me because I'm like, I'm a cool witch and I'm going to go do a cool thing. Wait, no, that's not how this game works. Um, (laughs) And trying to keep track of that in my mind and being willing to fail, I think is something that playing in this kind of system again, I would want to rewire my brain a little bit of like get into the space of like, no, no. Fail- failing is fun in this game, and it is intentional in this game, and you have to chase after it.
1: Yeah. Breath in.
2: <laughs> um, so
0: for me, I actually looked to back to Dream Askew, and it has what's called an enclave worksheet. Dream Askew is a queer enclave during the fall of society. And one of the pieces that it has is circle three things that are in conflict in the enclave. And so these are things like psychic privacy, party culture, women's spaces, um, the limitless possibilities of queer sex, et cetera. And there actually wasn't an analog to that in Marvelous. There was some stuff about the setting. And as as Emily mentioned, you know, we did kind of just like, hey, New Arcadia, here's a Google Doc with the neighborhoods. But like there wasn't digging into like, oh, this is what's happening at school, this is attention at school, or this is attention in the superhero world. That might be interesting to kind of even boost those early scenes more to agree on a triangle of competing interests or philosophies or things for the characters.
2: Give it a a bit of a framework to jump off from.
0: Right, right, right. right. Uh, So the final... Question here is spin offs. And what we want to know for this is what should other games take from Marvelous? We discussed how Marvelous is very much taking from Dream Askew and Masks. What can other games learn from it? Steph, do you have a, an idea on this?
1: Yeah. The collaborative world building where all of the players are responsible for an aspect of the setting is something that I've only seen before when, Fiona, when you tried to get me into the fate system, um, where it happens during play. And that was very confusing for me. <laughs> but I like the idea of having the players participate in the world building, even in a more traditional game where there is a GM. And I sort of wondered whether mechanically into a session zero or every so often in the play of a long arc, there could be moments when the players stepped back from the PCs and contributed setting elements. You could do this with really any of the more traditionally structured story-oriented games that we played on the show. You could do it with Exceptionals. You could do it with Masks. you You could do it with Claim the Sky. I liked that idea. And I really liked the way that there were questions and moves that you could use to earn tokens and to set things up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not the only system where you can get your character in trouble and earn a token or earn something that you can cash in later. Um, but it's—I don't know how common that is. We haven't seen a lot of that on the show, and I really liked the weak move get you a token, strong move spend a token system.
0: It's interesting that you compare it with, with with fate in some ways, and and yeah, I think that the the weak move is—I um, mean, it's similar to the way that you, I guess, as compel. Uh, in yeah. Fate, which is like your aspect gets you in trouble, and so you get a Fate point. That seems like, I don't know, bigger or harder or trickier to kind of understand, whereas this one is just like, no, screw up. Screw up big time and get yeah, a token. that's why
1: I like it better. I mean, the thing yeah. in, in Fate that they, the, the gain a token, lose a token thing here is distinct from the somebody plays the authorities, somebody plays the media, collaborative world building. Sure. And I, I, I like that when you're spending a token, it's for something that your character Succeeds at. It's not for, and I hereby decree that there is a church in which I could take sanctuary. If that makes sense.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Emily, do you have a spin off?
2: All of that was very big stuff. One of the little things that I liked was the during character creation. I know we've touched on it already, but like I liked the bit that's essentially boils down to describe your gender as a metaphor. Yeah. I like the idea of, like, not even that specific thing for other RPGs, but the idea of character creation having something that is like, now come up with a thing for your character that is fully intangible and is not specific in any way and leads to this kind of thought experiment for your thing. Like, that I like apply a metaphor to your character as a thing cuz I know yeah. when I was building it like I first saw that I was like oh I don't know what to do with that and then I like read all the options and was like oh this one because this and like started coming up with like an answer for it in my head that I was like oh I understand this character better now uh it was like I just like that idea of something that is beyond like oh what hair color does your character have and what do their clothes look like and what are their powers of being like now get down to the spiritual essence of your character and sum it up in a in a short metaphor for something else, I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. give more of that, more of however we do that, and other things. Yes,
0: yeah, I was I was thinking of the the gender stuff specifically, and in, in some ways, I'm sort of torn between the like, you know, I've I mean, I've gotten over a lot of it. I used to think a lot about gender, um, and like, so part of me is like, I love how this is reflecting, you know, the complexity and the the, um, how, you know, there's not just two genders, but like, is that really a way of even thinking about gender? It's like, like the, the one half is sort of like fuzzy and like super queer studies. And, uh, the other half is like, I like that this probably makes some cis people think this is weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> and so it's like, I'm on board with yes, both of those yes. aspects. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm. Yeah. Yeah, the, and the, the the examples were great. I mean, I, I think that almost more than some of the looks or whatever, I think they fit the character playbooks very well. This is
1: a beautifully and concisely written game. The prose in the relatively short Marvelous How to Play book is a pleasure to read.
0: Yeah, I'm. I, I wonder if you could just use the PDF. I got out my copy of dream askew again this is it's the same mechanisms mm-hmm. um and so you know Avery alder has a lot more about you know the idea of idle dreaming and some of these sort of flow of play stuff so i definitely fell back on that but pretty much you know th- the basics enough to kind of really get you going playing pretend with friends is, is in the pdf and the, the illustrations are are adorable as well i'd say is the appropriate description of that art style that's it for the game of Marvelous. Now let's talk about back issues. So here we are going to ask our guests for what sort of superhero media or superhero books, and et cetera, or even non-superhero stuff really kind of captures the same sort of stories that you would tell with Marvelous. So uh, Jay, do you have uh, comic books that remind you of, of Marvelous? I do. And my recommendation
3: is actually not a teen story at all. The comic book that Marvelous just immediately and intensely evoked for me reading about the system and then even more so playing it is Starman, the DC series Starman, which uh, came out in, I think the nineties, written by James Robinson, drawn primarily by Tony Harris, but eventually by a a whole slew of artists. And it's got the same kind of not, not exactly lack of structure, but it, it breaks, it breaks superhero structures and relationships in very similar ways. And it's got yeah, you know, it's got a setting that's very much a character in and of itself, um, or at least a common strain, and it's got characters who break tropes and break break both what they're allowed to be and how they're allowed to interact. Yes. In very gentle ways. Like it's it's subversive. It's subversive and, and deconstructionist in the most loving way I can imagine a superhero comic being, and with so much reverence. For the things that it's taking apart and sort of rebuilding itself from, from these little components of. And that feels a lot like the spirit behind Marvelous, that it's, it's, you know, this, this great love for superheroes and for teen stories. And so taking, you know, bits and curlicues from here and, and to wrench in a buckle from there and, and building them into something really, really distinct. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's also got sort of the, the sense of, of detachment and vignettes. One of the things Starman does periodically is, just have, you know, briefly look in on characters you've only seen in passing or have characters introduced to later just sort of wander off into the ether. And a protagonist who is a super, who, for whom superhero is not a vocation, mm-hmm. like who has, has a life and identity that's, that's got much, much, much more breadth than, than his superheroism, who, who's, you know, who is a superhero by obligation and by vocation as an antique dealer.
1: <laughs> or a junk dealer if you don't like him.
3: A junk dealer, Yeah. And that, again, that, that, that shape and sort of that distinction from traditional superheroes and superheroics feels very much within the spirit of Marvelous.
1: Yes. Jay, the first time you recommended Starman, I started reading Starman. So I can now say, yeah, that's,
3: that seems right. It's so good. If you haven't read it and you're someone who doesn't really like superheroes because you find them frustrating and formulaic, I recommend it. If you're someone who hasn't read it and really deeply loves and identifies closely with superheroes I highly recommend it for that reason like it's it's something that speaks to both of those angles absolutely yeah. beautifully in ways that really no other comic I've read has has touched yeah emily how about
2: you when it comes to teenage superheroes i can give you a long list of every team that i have read or watched <laughs> cuz i I love me, a teen superhero story. I love chaotic kids having powers and then also arguing about who's going to prom. It's amazing. It's Mm -hmm. a wonderful little niche in uh, comics. So, like, for that kind of thing, you know, Young Avengers, Runaway's... Young Justice, all of the various iterations of those things that we have had throughout history all capture various elements of that. And I'm sure there's more that I'm forgetting. X-Men Evolution's a weird one, but it's (laughs) fun.
1: Usually we mention New Mutants on this show a couple times a show. Yes, yes. Usually I do, frankly, so now you don't have to.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, X-Men Evolution is the early 2000s cartoon in which all of the uh, mainline X-Men are now just recast as being teenagers who go to normal high school as well as to the Xavier Institute Institute and face chaos. It is
1: Except for Wolverine and Storm yes, who are Wolverine, adults. Wolverine,
2: Storm, and Professor X are all adults and everyone else is kids. Um, and it's <laughs> such a weird concept, and I yeah, love it's,
1: it. It's it's really it's really good. It's really good. It it just it seems <laughs> it's the X-Men cartoon for people who really already know the characters. And and I have watched all the way through it. A time and a half at this point
2: or if you're you're me it's your basic introduction to the uh x-men mythos post-watching young justice and just wanting more teenage superheroes when you're uh like 14 uh oh. and thus jumping into something oh. very seemingly confusing and then approaching all uh x-men media after that is like huh how does this relate to evolution <laughs> and having yeah. the weirdest perspective on the x-men um, i love but- that I love that. Yeah, that's the one that's confusing to explain to people. I'm like, I love some X-Men, but you know how I started with (laughs) X-Men? The most confusing way to start with X-Men. But I I,
1: I would argue the most confusing way is to start reading a lot of bad 90s comics and then say,
2: what? (laughs) Fair enough. Jump into the middle of things, which was absolutely how I read comics, getting into comics when I was uh, like 13, 14, of just being like, I like this character, I'm just going to pull whatever issues i can get of this character Mm -hmm. like i post x-men evolution loved rogue picked up a rogue solo comic that is like here are seven uh things that are happening in the universe that you fully missed because you didn't read any of the event books happening before this solo spinoff and i'm like i'll run with it it's fine i don't know why gambit's blind (laughs) but he's blind let's go with it Mm -hmm. but after (laughs) accidental x-men tangent we do those outside of like Teen superhero specific stuff, I realized after playing this character uh, of of Trixie, when thinking about kind of these m- magic teen witch characters, two comics that I have read recently that kind of fit that vibe. So if you wanted more of that vibe, uh, I just like a week or two ago read Seance Tea Party by Ramina Yi. That's how I'm going to pronounce mm-hmm. her name. And I think that is correct, mm-hmm. though, if it's not sorry, which is this lovely little middle grade comic about a, like, 12-year-old girl who loves spooky stuff, loves ghosts, loves cryptids, but at the exact time in her life when it feels like all of her friends are moving on to, like, teenage interests and she isn't sure how to deal with that and what does growing up look like, and she befriends a ghost that lives in her house who is a perpetual 12-year-old girl because she is a ghost. Oh. And this interesting metaphor about like how growing up doesn't mean letting go of the things that you love and how those things simply evolve and finding a balance between the things you loved as a kid and the things you will love as an adult and the idea of like how does this perpetual ghost move on from that? How do they fit into this concept? And it is very touching. It is a very sweet middle grade graphic novel. That genuinely made me tear up a couple of times. I'm like, oh, this is a very sweet exploration of like personhood <laughs> and growing up. It is very sweet. Highly recommend. And also similar vein of of teen witch, but more going into those ideas that we touched on near the end of the game with the possum and the possum skeleton particularly, which is why this came into my head, was last year I read another YA to middle grade graphic novel called Snapdragon by Kat Lee Mm -hmm. that is about a young girl who through a series of trying to find her lost dog accidentally becomes the apprentice to her town's witch. And whether or not this person is a witch is initially kind of up to interpretation of like this... This person is just kind of shunned by the town and does stuff that seems weird and everything. But as it goes on, it is very much kind of a magical realism thing in which Snapdragon, the main character, learns to harness her own magic and how to tap into that and also finds out the history of this witch and how this uh, witch connects to her own family's history. And that one is also largely about exploring uh, gender and gender expression and queer relationships in history is a part of it. It's about a lot of things, but it's also about a young girl who starts seeing the ghosts of animals that have died in nature as she helps this witch, through their perspective, honor those animals by, like, taking care of those remains and preserving the skeletons and turning them into works of art Mm. to preserve the kind of spirit of that animal to help it move on by reforming the skeleton and, like, giving it a place to be in a museum or whatnot. And it is... Very interesting and also very sweet. Two different but sweet middle grade novels that have nothing to do with superheroes, but everything to do with witches and ghosts. <laughs> Sounds so good. <laughs> Sounds so good.
0: Fiona, did you did you have any to kind of add? Yeah. Well actually while we're while we're talking about about uh witches in, in comics, uh Mamo.
2: Oh, the, I've also read that, um, yes. Uh
0: short run, yeah, by uh is it uh Sauce Millage? I think so. Um is absolutely gorgeous. Reasonably gay and just a great teen witch story. But as far as Marvelous, where I went to was uh, DC Superhero Girls. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the animated series created by Lauren Faust, uh, known for uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. This is the one where Supergirl has a really heavy eyeliner. And it's, you know, it's like, it's Supergirl, it's Bumblebee, it's um, uh, Batgirl, it's, you know, various uh, of the DC characters as teens. But it, it also captures some of that. We're not really on a team together. We're super people. And sometimes we team up and sometimes we don't. And sometimes the episodes are more about the rock band or like pet sitting than, you know, like taking down villains. It's it's a. I think it's on Netflix right now. Though who knows with like yeah, shows yeah. coming and going from streaming, but uh, I would recommend it. It is
2: very literally the DC Comics response to like Monster High, and I think that is so mm-hmm. funny and amazing. Mm-hmm. Of like that when it was first announced, like there's a doll tie-in line, and they all go to high school together, and they're all the same age, and it it's, don't ask any questions, <laughs> and it's like amazing, yeah. Yeah, wonderful, yeah. love this. It's fully outside any canon.
0: Yeah, exactly, and and the quality of the writing definitely is better than you would assume from that.
2: Yes, I, of, I say you know, that fully with love. In terms big, of, yeah. I I love a weird yeah. little jumping <laughs> off concept point.
0: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely more fun than Marvel.
1: Yeah, Rising. Marvel Rising should have
0: been better than it was. Why does Tippy Doe have a yellow bell? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you didn't think I was gonna bring Squirrel Girl? No, no, this I episode? was, I was waiting. I was waiting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Steph, you have a stack of, of back issues, I'm sure. What, what, uh, what are you going to tell us about I
1: am just going to do this fast. Uh, Runaways, uh, especially the most recent run written by Rainbow Rowell. Uh, we also recommend the Brian K. Vaughn initial establishing run of it. Mixed feelings about the rest, which I don't know well. Um, but certainly the Rainbow Rowell one has all of the kind of complicated, are we really superheroes? What on earth is going on? A lot of different, different relationships playing out, not always in the same room or on the same page. And then, uh, since we've been talking about teen witches and necromancy and reanimation, I'm going to recommend uh, a very, I think, well-known as such things go, but b- rightly beloved fantasy novel uh, that's not a superhero novel, except it kind of is, called Sabriel. It's by Garth Nix, IX, that is about... Necromantic magic and teens finding their places in, in in this case, a high fantasy world. Um, many, many of you out there will already know Sabriel. Uh, but you know, kind of good. And then finally, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm also waiting for Fiona to make like a brethren specific, like non-powered teen with sheep. Oh my God. This is a Tiffany aching thing. We are going directly to Tiffany aching because we've got a teen witch. Oh,
0: okay. I'm here for that, yeah. Uh,
1: So I guess it's two things. We had a sheep-themed character and a a teen witch character who were different characters, but if you want them to be the same character in uh, a series of literary masterpieces that have changed all of our lives, at least a little bit, and made Fiona the person she is today, along with Squirrel Girl, uh, I do recommend the um, Terry Pratchett, Tiffany Aching books, which are some of the last things that he completed. Uh, they're, they're really good.
0: I regret not including more turpentine in Brethan's characterizations.
1: I mean, bring him back. Bring him back. Finally, since we did have a pop star character, there is at least one absolutely terrific comic series from a couple of years ago with first-rate art and a whole lot of teen drama and some pretty good kind of ensemble cast diversity going on and music everywhere and pop star machinery and characters who also sometimes did get along and only some of them had powers, which was the Gem and the Holograms series written by Kelly Thompson, co-created and initially drawn by Sophie Campbell and then drawn by some other people and Sophie Campbell again. And there were some spinoffs from that about their rival band, The Misfits, not to be confused with the I Want Your Skull actual band, The Misfits. Uh, these were also teenagers. Anything that has Gem and the Holograms Kelly Thompson and Sophie Campbell label on, including the Misfits spinoff series, we recommend. And it's something that Amphitrite has probably read and thought, wait, are they talking about me? Is this my past? Is this my future? Can I have Sophie Campbell hair?
0: Yeah. I- I'm glad that this is another episode very soon where we get to gush about the way that Sophie Campbell draws hair.
1: This is now a Sophie Campbell draws hair podcast. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Sophie Campbell, if you're out there, get in touch. We would do almost anything to have you draw our hair. (laughs) Show at teamupmoves.com.
0: Well, with that, That brings this run to a close. Emily, Jay, thank you so much for playing Marvelous with us.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you
0: so much. Our pleasure, truly. Um, Emily, where can people find you online? Where else do you appear?
2: Well, uh, you can hear me as the co-host of Whelmed, The Young Justice Files, if you want to hear me talking more about teenage superheroes and all of their adventures and misadventures and Superhero relationships. I love it. I talk so much about them over there. If you need more of that, please (laughs) listen wherever you get your podcasts. I I need more of that. Uh, You can also find me specifically on Twitter and Instagram at Emily of Arden, which is E-M-I-L-Y of A-R-D-E-N. And that's where you can see me posting about other things that I'm on when I voice act on an audio drama when i roll dice on an actual play when i guest on some other podcast to talk about superheroes and other topics i generally post about those there or on my website which is emilybuza.com very simple easy to remember and yeah those are the general places where i can be found doing things on the internet
0: sweet jay where can we find you online oh gosh um well the the Quickest and
3: easiest way to get a full answer for that is probably to go to the Twitter account Not lasers, and click the Linktree link in the bio, which will give you a full list of where I'm at. Um, if you like the dulcet tones of my voice, you can hear me more on J.N. Miles' Explain the X-Men, which is at explainthexmen.com and explain Men on most social media. I am also postcards from space on Tumblr.
0: Excellent. Well, all those links will be in the show notes. Steph, you're too. Off to a good start? I would
1: say so. One might even call it. No, no,
0: no. Yeah, maybe, maybe we will. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll call it that.
1: Okay. I'm just going to wave this little, like, mouse loving and Picky Bicky, around and say that Picky Bicky has brought us luck on the show so far and will stay with us.
0: Okay. Well, maybe a uh, picture of Picky Bicky in the uh, subscribe to our newsletter uh, at teamupmoves.com. Yeah. <laughs> but at any rate, until next time, take care, pals. Bye bye. <laughs> And that concludes our run of Marvelous. Thank you, Jay and Emily, and thank you for listening. We're going to be taking a week or two off, and then we'll be back with a very, very special treat. We're going to be playing TSR's Marvel Super Heroes RPG, affectionately known as Phase Rip. And our good friend Becca Petunia, who you last heard on Exceptionals, will be back to judge it for us really looking forward to that. This run, we've been playing Marvelous by S. Donnelly and Hannah Rogers. You can find it on S. Donnelly's itch page sdonnelly.itch.io slash marvelous. Team Up Moves is a production of Fiona Hopkins and Stephanie Burt. Copyright 2023. If you have questions, suggestions, or just want to share some love, you can find us on Mastodon as teamupmoves at dice.camp. And also, we're over on Tumblr as TeamUpMoves. All one word, no hyphens or anything like that. And yes, we are still on Twitter as at TeamUpMoves. The show's website where you can see all of our guest bios and past episodes, as well as sign up for our email newsletter, is TeamUpMoves.com. Our theme music is Play by Sleepyhead. Find more of their music at SleepyheadRockband.com. And if you've made it this far and you want to support us, spread the word. Share those links on Tumblr, Discord, Reddit, etc. Leave some reviews on iTunes. Anything you can do to tell folks about the show, we super appreciate. Take care, pals.